Hello everyone, welcome to Getting Real, I am Basira. And I'm Kate. Getting Real is another podcast from Millennial Best Friends, talking about something with no real authority, um, other than their winning personalities and infectious charm. This one's about movies. So join us as we discuss some of our favorite films and what they mean to us, and dare we say the world at large. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us again. We're on episode two of, I guess this is our second season. Season two. Since it's our yeah. second year doing this. Yeah, we got um, asked back by ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yes, moderate demand. Um, so the next couple weeks, we were thinking about what should we review, and January is a famously slow month for movies. It's a lot of Dwayne Johnson type <laughs> um, action thrillers. Not necessarily for us, so we thought, hey... We have a little bit of a lull. Let's take advantage. So we're going to talk about our two favorite films. Uh, this week we're talking about my favorite film, which is The Lion in Winter. All right, so this movie came out in 1968. It is about Henry II. It's set in 1183 AD, and he is dealing with his three sons who all want to inherit the throne, but he won't commit to a choice. So he allows his imprisoned wife, Eleanor of Aquitaine, to come for a Christmas visit and they all variously plot to, you know, cause some shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was directed by Anthony Harvey, and it stars Peter O'Toole as Henry II, Catherine Hepburn as Eleanor of Aquitaine, and Anthony Hopkins as Richard the Lionheart making his film debut, along with mm-hmm. Timothy Dalton. Yes. If you don't know, one of the lesser Bonds, but mm-hmm. a good actor all the same. Yes. Both of their debuts, so kind of fun for that. I love this movie, but Basir had never seen it until no. yesterday, <laughs> and I have been on pins and needles for the last 24 hours waiting to hear her thoughts. Mm-hmm. So, um, in real time, are you going to crush my heart? Or are you? Gonna... I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Let's t- hit me with it. What did you think of this movie? Yeah. Um, I wrote down a few words. <laughs> um, so, I, I have five adjectives here, which I put verbose, funny engaging dramatic and suspenseful those are like the first words that come to my mind when i think of on the line in winter but i liked it overall i really liked it oh so you really <laughs> i really didn't think you would yeah. honestly <laughs> going into this i was like my mm-hmm. mom was like really hounding me she's like what did she think and i was like before i even show it to her there's a solid chance she won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> no i yeah no i really liked it and i'm glad that i had time to like sit with it because I think by the end of it, it's about a two-hour movie. And I think by the end of it, I was so, like, exhausted. It was like running a marathon watching that movie. And in a good way. Where there were spurts of, like, energy. And there were times where I'm like, oh, my fucking God, this is taking forever. And then, like, by the end of it, I was like, honestly, worth it. <laughs> I feel very accomplished. Um, yeah, I thought the characters were all really funny and... You know, we did we did talk about a little trivia afterwards, knowing that it was Aaron Sorkin's um, favorite film. I was like, it reminded me a lot of that fast-paced talking that you get, like, in The West Wing and in, not Social Network, because Aaron Sorkin didn't do Social Network. He sure did. Yeah. Social Network. Like, the, <laughs> um, like those movies, I was like, it reminds me so much of that, but it's so, like, it goes, like, two steps farther. Honestly, it was a lot of fun. Um, and it was interesting watching, because I think a lot of people, and we talked about this with Casablanca, I feel like a lot of people our age and even younger have a really hard time giving older films like those movies a fair shot because they just assume they're going to be boring. And I feel like this is a movie that if you were to show it to someone our age, they actually would find a lot of the comedy very funny. It's very dry humor. 
Um, and it inspired a lot of the writers that we know and love. So it, would, it sounds very familiar. It doesn't sound old. It doesn't sound dated. It actually sounds like very modern. It just happens to sound very dramatic. So it ages it a little bit. But I think that happens when you go into any play that you watch. I feel like a lot of times it can seem very serious and dramatic, which is the point of it. Um, but no, I had a really fun time watching it. I really did. I wanted to like keep you on your. I didn't want to give too much away. Oh, <laughs> stoic face over yeah. here. I've never heard her so quiet through a film. I was like, she hates it. <laughs> she hates it. I can feel your eyes on me, and I'm like, I was like, don't say anything. <laughs> I laughed at some points. Yeah, and I did give some commentary, but I wanted to like just give you a little bit. Just well, like... it was hard for me not to give you commentary because the the other thing I wanted to ask you is how much context do you have for this bit of history? Like, how mm-hmm. are you familiar with? these characters, Henry II or Eleanor of Aquitaine? I'm familiar with Eleanor of Aquitaine because you talk about, you've talked about her. Um, not a lot, but before. <laughs> um, and I know a little bit about Henry II from English class and some of history. But I don't really care that much for, like, the context. I think the context is important. Sure. But I also figured while I was watching it that the context would be explained. Like, the there, like the exposition would be there. So I don't really, I didn't feel like I needed something mm-hmm. too concrete for it. Um, and by 30 minutes, I had kind of clocked everything that had, was going on. Who's who, what's what. Yeah, yeah. Um, once Eleanor showed up in in style. She's yeah. so funny. A dramatic entrance, to mm-hmm. be sure. Oh, I'm so, oh, I'm yeah. relieved. I would have been, I would have understood you not getting it. Because I will say this film not a lot happens. It's truly just characters yelling at each other two yeah. for two hours. Mm-hmm. So I completely understand. I was like going into this and I was thinking, I know you pretty well and I know your taste in, in movies and you are certainly here for a dialogue heavy film, but mm-hmm. this is very dialogue heavy. Yes. <laughs> um, and it, you can kind of tell these films that start off as plays because plays are inherently limited as far as scope and scale because they only have so much you can do on a, on a stage, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, the sets seem to be smaller. The world seems to be a little smaller. The Even the cast seems to be a little bit smaller. Yeah. So they don't always play that well. If you're used to a, a play as kind of you have these actors playing to the back of the room. Mm-hmm. And then you have close-up capability. <laughs> yeah. So it's sort of, like, feels counterintuitive to big screen films. Um, so these translations don't always land i obviously haven't seen this on stage it has not been made since the (laughs) 60s um but i've always loved this movie Mm -hmm. yeah no i think one of the things that was um by the end of it one of the things i remembered the most was it did feel as if like not a lot happens in the movie but so much happens within two hours and not and at the end of it nothing really happened it's a lot of posturing and like puffing your chest, but not much actually affects anything. And I liked it was I liked that because it was kind of like there is like a beginning. There's not really a beginning to anything. It doesn't feel like kind of feels like we walked into a story that's already unfolding and we get to see this tiny little glimpse of it. And when we leave there, the story very much continues. It doesn't really feel like there's a beginning, middle or an end. It just feels like you get like a snapshot of these people's lives for what seems about like three days or four days to celebrate Christmas. It's literally like a day. A day. She gets yeah. there 
Christmas Eve and leaves Christmas Day. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, so it's... It felt like so much happened. Like, again, it felt It was like, a very restless night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, nothing is resolved, right? Like, the... I think the central conflict is obviously just a marriage falling apart, mm-hmm. but... Or having fallen apart. Yeah. He's literally keeps his wife... She's been in prison for 10 years. <laughs> but the MacGuffin-type conflict, the one that they're kind of dancing around is who's going to be this... Um, who's going to be the heir, who's going to mm-hmm. succeed him. And that's never resolved. Yeah. At the end of the film, we still don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. we do know because historically we know, but like yeah. <laughs> the film doesn't say mm-hmm. one way or the other. Yeah. So it, like, you're right. Not a, not a ton happens. And yet you, you learn a lot about the characters yeah. mm-hmm. and their lives. And did you find it like easy to understand and relatable as far as, um, you understood these types of characters, these archetypes. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. It was, again, it's, they're not revolutionizing anything. And I think everything was very clear. And obviously it's really well written. Um, and I think each actor does a really good job of playing their characters so well. I mean, they really are, like when we were just talked about, they really do act as if they're on stage. And if, I love watching movies like that because I think that's, it makes everything so much clearer it's not as, it's not the Michael Caine, you know, version of acting where everything's very small and limited and you use a lot of your face and you try not to give too much away. It's so big, mm. even when it has to be so small. Like the middle child, Jeffrey's character, that kind of sniveling, um, conniving, being very cunning. That's like really big acting that he did of kind of overplaying that of kind of being too stoic and looking at everyone. And I, I don't know. I really enjoyed all of the performances and I don't think I had a favorite person because I thought each person did their little bit amazingly. Ah, sweet relief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I mean, now we're, let's switch gears. So I would like to know, I think we would like to know, um, when did you first see this film? How old were you? Where were you? Who were you seeing it with? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't remember the first time I've seen... I saw it. I can imagine I was around middle school aged mm-hmm. or so. Um, it was pro- more likely than not. TCM was showing it and ben, ben Mankiewicz gave an introduction. <laughs> yeah. And I was... I've always been so obsessed with Katherine Hepburn. But these are kind of films that I just grew up with. So mm-hmm. I have no real m- memory of watching yeah. it for the first time. Um, it was always kind of in my peripheral. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I was, it mostly stemmed from being obsessed with Catherine Hepburn. I was, and also history, as yes. we've said enough. <laughs> I'm, I'm, and Eleanor of Aquitaine specifically mm-hmm. has always been one of my favorite historical characters um, because she's one of the first of her kind. Not the first, but certainly one of them, that she was a woman who was, she was one of the richest women in the world, if not the richest woman in the world in her own right. And Mm -hmm. she was a very powerful character um, who took, in a world where most people had no agency, especially women, she managed to shape her life. And I think that's very cool and admirable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so to have these two women I so deeply admired Catherine Hepburn and Eleanor of Aquitaine come together. Fun fact, they are distant relatives. So yeah, that was, I don't remember the first time I watched it. I do remember using one of the monologues in a speech class Mm. and my teacher, this was, must have been in ninth grade, I think. 
and my teacher was like, how do you know this movie? <laughs> it was like, you teach Shakespeare. <laughs> like, you don't have to have been there for it. Like, mm-hmm. you obviously, people find things in different ways. And like you said, you'll never watch this movie again, probably. I will watch it many more times. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's interesting of not being able to, like, remember you know, when you first watch something. So then in that case, like, what did it make you feel? Because obviously it left an impression on you enough for it to be, you know, on your top three. Um, Even if you don't remember the first time that you, what it felt the first time you watched it, like, how does it make you feel like thinking about it? Yeah. So I actually jotted down. I I came up with 10 adjectives slash Mm -hmm. like thoughts about it. Double of mine. You can tell. Paper and Basira wrote hers on her phone. Just in case you forgot which one of us was older. (laughs) (laughs) So snappy biting mm. observational but not didactic oh <laughs> i think that's important uh if you're too embarrassed to ask didactic means uh like teaching somebody a lesson mm. kind of thing i don't think that while it is very observational about these people and their lives and what everyone's feeling and all the different relations and perspectives they have they're not saying one is better than the other mm-hmm. they aren't trying to change your mind about somebody or they're not trying to redeem bad behavior or Mm -hmm. excuse you know or kind of condemn good behavior whatever so i think that's good it's lush oh lush. oh (laughs) you know it's it's layered (laughs) it's campy i think it's campy i think it's histrionic i love that we're both like theater kids right Mm -hmm. um it's also my favorite historical um head bitch in charge obviously (laughs) Uh, veep level insults i wrote <laughs> so many creative ways to call someone a cunt i mean just extraordinary oh, yeah. yeah array of mm-hmm. insults in this film impressive uh shockingly historically accurate as far as the sets and the clothing mm-hmm. we can't it's obviously it's heavily so fictionalized mm-hmm. as far as the character but the setting it's so nice to remind yourself that this is a king of england the richest woman etc and they're just living in this dingy ass castle because it's 1183 and they don't have indoor plumbing yeah. and they're everyone's dirty and gross yeah and i think that's fun um and then of course Catherine fucking hepburn but honorable mention surprisingly gay <laughs> yeah do you you made a reference to it i did um, there is, there are gay characters in mm-hmm. this movie, explicitly gay characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard the Lionheart is gay in this movie. And I also love that because Richard the Lionheart, if you don't know him, he's the good guy in the, mm-hmm. in the Robin Hood movies. He's the good king. His younger brother, John is the bad king. So he's famously, he's a crusader and he was a conqueror and he was a man's man. He was a soldier at heart. Mm-hmm. And to take that hyper-masculine character and make him gay, I thought was also like lovely and subversive, especially for the time. And historically, we don't know if, I mean, they were all yeah. a little bit gay. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's a, a little, little bit gay. gay. But we don't know his, his preferences. Yeah, orientations. Mm-hmm. We just know... That in this movie, they took the most masculine, most capable person and made him gay. (laughs) They usually don't get to be. They usually get to be um, really effeminate or really um, sickly or small or, like, Mm -hmm. you know, less powerful. And we all know where the story is going, which is that he will be king. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, it was when Philip, the um, king of France, walks in and then he walks out on King Henry and says something, and I turned to you, and I was like, oh, what a queen. You did, and you didn't know it was coming, and I didn't say anything. Yeah. I was like, this, everything about this like, man exudes, like, yeah. 1968's version of gay. Yeah. But, like, who's to say? Who am I to judge? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, no, I think that's. So that's what, yeah, that's what yeah. the movie mm-hmm. makes me think Feel. of those. Those are the words that come to mind. And especially now, always, certainly, but especially when I was younger and I was, you know, trying on different personalities, like we all do, right? <laughs> and trying to figure out who I was, this seemed like a good place to start. Be like Eleanor of Aquitaine. Mm-hmm. Destroy everyone around you. Manipulate the people you love. <laughs> Because I was like, it was, she was just so strong. I mean, even in prison, she's a thorn in this man's side. Like this relentlessness, this um, love that has been so twisted up. But all these motivations are love. Like she loves this mm-hmm. man and this is how, and he hurt her. Yeah. And hell hath no fury, <laughs> like women scorned. So when I was young, this movie especially, it just really made me feel like this is um the kind of strength that i already have naturally and playing that up and playing to it seemed like the most obvious path for me and i think it really did shape a lot of my personality wow that's big (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i think that's yeah i think i always one of the questions i ask on dates or at least i have on the one day that i got on this year um was like what's your favorite movie and he couldn't answer it and i was like that still says a lot. Um, but I think it is interesting when someone tells you about their favorite movie and how you start to see pieces of, like, their characters or pieces of, like, that movie or kind of what that movie makes you feel and how that person makes you feel. Um, or even the persona that they put off to other people. And so I think that's interesting to hear you say that. But I think my last question, I had a few more here, but I feel like I could answer them. <laughs> you could guess. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, who's your favorite character? I was like, probably Eleanor of Aquitaine. But then who's your least favorite character? John. John. Mm, not Alice. No, I love Alice. You like you like Alice. Yeah. Alice is um, Henry's mistress. Mm-hmm. So she is also, in another life, she's Eleanor's stepdaughter because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Alice is the daughter of her first husband by yeah. a different woman. And so they have a a mother-child relationship, and they grew up, um, Alice grew up under the tutelage of Eleanor, and then she is the mistress of Eleanor's husband, who she loves. And I love her. I love Mm -hmm. Alice. And I think they love each other. I think that's the other kind of revolutionary thing about that movie in particular is um, you expect Eleanor to hate Alice, Mm -hmm. but she doesn't. She loves her. She still thinks of her as you know, her, her surrogate daughter, (laughs) she has a lot of love for her and she doesn't blame her for loving somebody that she found so irresistible herself. And she understands too, that in this world, this is how women maneuver their lives. They have to attach themselves to men. Powerful men at that. So I think that Alice is kind of a foil to Eleanor's feminine power there's like kind of these two ways it can go right that hell hath no fury but also that women um tend to be more compassionate understanding docile and i think there is a lot of strength in alice mm-hmm. i don't know if you got that from her but yeah for me i think that alice is doing the best she can with the circumstances she has and she also genuinely loves this man mm-hmm. yeah she was giving me and actually now that we're talking about it it's reminding me a lot of allison yeah. And I yeah, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know why I don't like this woman. I was like, I get it. I was like, I understand the position that you're in. Yeah. And it's not your fault you're in that position. I'm just sad for you. 
And I think that makes me mad at you. <laughs> um, well, and I'm an Allison apologist, I know, as you know. Yeah, yeah. So, and these things happen. And that's fine. <laughs> um, but no, no, my last question was going to be, how does it age for you? How do you feel watching it now? I know you said it had been a few years since you had last watched it. Yeah, watched it had been it. a minute. Um, yeah. There was a lot of streaming options, so that's why I haven't watched it. Mm-hmm. But shout out, as always, to mom and dad who paid <laughs> for us to um, rent it so that Basira could watch. I I kind of see it now for, the, like, the lack of plot. It stood out to me. I was like, wow, I don't remember it being this much in the room, <laughs> like staying in, yeah. the room, mm-hmm. in, the, in the room. Um, and I think it was also, there is something to that. Take one thing off before you leave the house. Yeah. It could have definitely um, taken it down just a notch in some places, but I also like gun to my head, like which one of these things like kill your darling. So yeah. it'd be really hard for me to cut anything from this. Agreed still think it's really clever i think it's really impressive acting i think it's also so cool i didn't i don't know if i really could grapple with the age difference of the actors yeah when i was young when i was first watching this movie 36 seemed very very old to me (laughs) (laughs) now it doesn't (laughs) it feels (laughs) right around the corner for me so there's a 25 year age difference between peter o'toole and um katherine hepburn it's pretty substantial. And so especially coming right off the Golden Globes, looking at the how many women there were like, it's so hard for women over 60 to get a good role. Mm-hmm. You have to basically be Meryl Streep or Katherine Hepburn. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the things you were saying about um, the kind of like taking one thing off is and there's two, I thought kind of the two adjectives that I would match were engaging and camp. Because I actually think that was the most engaging part of it as the parts that were very funny, like started to bleed into like, Oh, are they not joking anymore? Right. Like, is this... Oh, she's actually yelling. Oh, he's actually going to kill... Is he going to kill her? She doesn't hate him. She loves him. Yeah. (laughs) And that was the engaging part of it is kind of this back and forth. And at times that did feel like, okay, we get it. You hate him. I mean, I guess you don't hate him. I guess you love him. It seems kind of like this playground love, elementary school love that you have going on. But I think that was what made the movie so engaging to me. Um... And so I think your observations were, I will I'll echo them, that I had similar observations as well. Um, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. Um, thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Armstrong, for renting it so we could watch it. Yeah, still making it rain all these years later. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of looking up. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy you enjoyed it. I'm really excited to watch your favorite film. Do you want to tell them what it is, or should we keep it to ourselves? We could say. Um, we are going to watch Jurassic Park, and I know it's crazy that Kate hasn't seen this movie. <laughs> crazy. Talked to my sister about it today. She's like, what? I was like, I feel like she told me this before, but frankly, it was so shocking that I, like, blocked it out of my brain. I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> um, so I'm going to make her watch that, and then we're going to talk about it next week. So stick around. Stay tuned. Stay with us. Yeah. The more you fuck around, the more you're going to find out. Yep. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs>